Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of Screenplay Rewind. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. And good God, is it nice to get the taste of Temple <laughs> Doom out of my fucking mouth. What are we covering this week, Ron? Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom 2. Oh, no. <laughs> Short Rounds Revenge. The, the, the little known sequel. Oh, that would actually be a cool. So, what the. Uh, the fucking it just stars Willie. It just I want. stars Willie. There's no Indiana Jones in it. No, fuck that. Fuck that. The <laughs> fan fiction I'm going to write, the fan fiction I'm going to write, like, starting tonight. So, in between the timeline, after Temple of Doom and before Raiders, Indy thinks he's gotten Short Round killed by irresponsibly bringing him along on all of his adventures. <laughs> Short Round did not get killed. He was just horribly mangled. And then it is, like, 30 years later in Short Round's Revenge. He has, it's taken him 30 years to figure out the perfect way to kill Indy. <laughs> wow, yes. this uh, this took a turn. Yeah. I'd be all about You're it, getting dude. getting the original actor about back. It. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. It's like... Uh, badass. What's the... Uh, was it Mayhem? Is that the name of the movie? Is it like that, but against Indiana Jones? Yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Hold on to your potatoes, Dr. Jones. <laughs> 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 oh, this movie's so good. Have we said what it is yet? I mean, I mean, uh, I think then you. I mean, people listening to this, you've seen the title, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really on you at this point, yeah. dear listener. Yeah, it's, if you can't, I mean, if if Short Rounds Revenge existed, I would watch it day one <laughs> yeah. and review it, of course. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna log in and change the title of this episode too, right? Indian <laughs> <laughs> <The> Jones. <laughs> <laughs> And the Crucible of Short Row. <laughs> oh, God. Indiana Jones oh. and the Last Fucking Crusade. Yes, bitch. Oh, this is my so favorite of the series. Uh, I think Raiders is an extremely close second. See, I, I feel just, I feel the same way, just the opposite. Like, Right. I, Raiders is my favorite, and I think Raiders is the best. But Last Crusade, it's like picking children. Like I, I love it so much, and it's right up there. I think Raiders edges it out by just a hair, but fuck, it's close because Last Crusade is amazing. This movie fucking rules, dude. Uh, Raiders may have a slightly more like solid script or whatever, but uh, I Last Crusade is the one that I watched religiously with my dad, and to me, this is Indiana Jones. Raiders, I don't know how to say this. It is probably a little bit more serious than I think of Indiana Jones. I think it's more serious than Temple of Doom, um, even because Temple of Doom, whereas Last Crusade has a bunch of gags, right? Temple of Doom is just silly like story wise and and plot wise and the things that happen to the characters, uh, Raiders, it's got humor, right? Obviously, but it's it's a really solid action adventure film, but it's not really like goofy. It's got a couple of moments, but it's not really goofy. And Last Crusade is a really solid movie with a lot more comedy interwoven into it. Yeah, I think I think Raiders is a better constructed movie, and I think Last Crusade is a more fun movie. So Last Last Crusade, it, it feels like it's like thirty minutes long, and it's just so well paced and and there's nothing wrong great, with that because at a certain point, pieces. at a certain point, it's gonna be well, I've seen this before, so they got to change stuff up somehow. 
You yeah, know? absolutely. So it, it uh, works. But, yeah, but uh, so uh, let's just break down the cast and crew real quick before we dive in. Per usual, directed by drumroll steven spielberg <gasps> i had no idea gasp yeah i will be bringing back spielberg to direct short rounds revenge oh uh everyone still not still the drastic park font <laughs> all yeah. three movies this is off of a story uh written by uh he who shall not be named <laughs> uh <laughs> fucking george lucas uh minnow May has Mayhees. I don't know how to pronounce your Valiant name. I'm try. so sorry. Mayes. I'm gonna go with Mayes. I sincerely apologize. Off of a screenplay by Jeffrey Boehm. Your cast and crew. You've got drumroll again. Harrison Ford. I was not aware they got him back. Yeah, it was. <laughs> they got it like the eleventh hour. Just I brought mean, him back right at the end. The dude's like eighty years old and still doing it. <laughs> He just he just happened to be crashing one of his planes near the set. And he's like, "Well, I guess I'll film this third Indiana Jones movie." <laughs> the way he uh, accepted the job was he crashed his plane into the golf course where Steven Spielberg was golfing. <laughs> oh God, Harrison Ford, you fucking nut. Uh, Sean Connery, and maybe my favorite Sean Connery performance. Absolutely. I fucking love him in this movie. I said he's the so same thing to Chris. Fucking like his most iconic role is probably Bond, but fuck, I love him in this movie so much. Which is ironic because I feel like Walter Donovan is basically a James Bond villain. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, uh, Denham Elliott is back as Marcus Brody. I'm glad they uh, figured out a way to have Brody and John Reese Davies back as Solomon and actually kind of like figure back into the plot because this this was supposed to be like you know them running uh, you know off right. of the sunset. This was this was supposed to be the send off before you know corporate culture took over and you know Lucasfilm wanted more money and then you know yeah Shia LaBeouf happens and, and you know and I'm so we'll that glad that uh, Brody is such a solid character in Raiders and he's barely in it right like. You you latch on to him just from their friendship, from them talking to the feds or whoever they are. I guess we don't actually know who they were. We just know they were government. Um, and they have top men. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just the short moments you spend with him, the, the little speech that he gives Indiana before he sets out for the arc. And then you're just kind of done with him. And it's kind of sad because in those few moments, Denholm Elliott is just endears himself to you you know yeah he's you great want more of him and then uh yeah we got him peppered throughout an entire movie this time he goes on his own little adventure that's the that's the fanfic i want the adventures of right. denholm elliott in his own museum <laughs> <laughs> uh dude there's so many fucking running jokes in the movie that are just gold but we'll get to it uh and i'm so glad this movie happened when it did because uh, we talked about it a little bit in the green room but uh denholm elliott sadly passed away a couple of years later so yep. this movie happened just soon enough uh because this movie actually took a few years to get made thank god uh because and i, I found this out just kind of doing like a little bit of research uh spielberg was the one to actually slow down the production turnaround time mm -hmm. uh because and i i think from what i'm reading here and what i've been seeing i i think i was correct in assuming that spielberg was not happy with the way temple of doom worked out right because uh this movie uh spielberg chose to tone down the dark tone and graphic violence in the next installment being last crusade 
It took five years between the productions of Temple of Demon Lost Crusade because uh, he and Lucas were reviewing several scripts before uh, Spielberg would actually accept one. So they were actually, you know, not just, you know, signing up uh, George Lucas's asshole fucking talentless friends, you know, to just throw together a fucking fortune cookie and screaming filled uh, script that, you know, it's complete garbage, you know, but I'm definitely not still bitter about last week's episode. That would be absurd. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Jeffrey Boehm uh, was the screenplay, uh, you know, writer for it. He done a few things. He wrote a couple of the uh, Lethal Weapon sequels, uh, you know. He wasn't a nobody, you know, he, he had turned in some, uh, some pretty successful projects. I think he had, uh, also written like the lost boys. Uh, so he had a few, uh, you know, somewhat heavy hitters under his belt. And I think the script for this, I think they chose wisely. Can I, uh, can I deviate for a second? You mentioned, sure. you mentioned lethal weapon and, uh, didn't Richard Donner direct all four of those movies? Uh, what made me? I do not know. I know he did at least the first one, but I was just, I was just thinking. I was sad to hear he passed away since the last time we got together to record. I, f- I almost feel like yeah. we can't go on without mentioning that first because yeah, it's a real I, bummer. Everybody's first superhero movie, man. Come on. Yep. You know, he, Sucks. he introduced multiple generations to the idea of a superhero. Yeah, it's it's fucking. But I mean, he was ninety one. Always, and I, I was from I believe it wasn't like coronavirus or anything. I I didn't actually yeah. hear, hear how he passed, which usually is a sign that it's natural causes. Yeah. But, Giant fucking bucket of wind. Yeah, That's, sorry to sorry to derail to a totally different topic, but you said lethal weapon and it it popped into my head. No, it's totally it's totally fine. Uh, moving uh moving on with like the rest of the cast. Uh, rounding it out, uh, we have Julian. Glover playing Walter Donovan uh, he's essentially like he said earlier uh, you know a Bond villain uh I think he's a pretty good villain uh I uh, the villain is not the focal point of this movie the focal point is obviously uh Sean Connery Harrison Ford's uh, relationship and lack thereof early on in the film and the way that they kind of enter uh you know wove this to be a send-off for the characters while also kind of uh elaborating further on you know, like what makes indiana jones uh tick and a big reason for that uh is because of the opening sequence that we'll get to uh river phoenix who uh you know tragically passed away in his early 20s to a drug overdose i think he's great he, as young indy i really like his scene is amazing as indy i think he passed away about four years after this movie was released 23 years old what a fucking i had dude. always heard that this was going to lead into him being uh, young Indiana Jones. They didn't. He, he did he do young Indiana Jones? That was a different actor, right? I think it was a different actor. Yeah. Uh, I, I had always heard that he was going to be introduced here and then like spin off into the adventures of young Indiana Jones. So, yep. that, uh, so I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've if always that, heard. If that had turned out to be a thing, I would have watched the fuck out of that because I think he's great, uh, especially that that scene where you know he does the line you know like oh i'll come up with something you're right uh, you know that i'll figure perfect. it out yeah he's he the way he delivers it look on his face is a chef's kiss of a fucking line read dude it's so good yeah, absolutely it's perfect. so fucking good love it uh michael byrne plays vogel and let's see if i'm oh yeah allison uh duty <laughs> uh plays <Say> it again <laughs> i said duty god <laughs> what a i would Really surprising that she didn't change her 
last name because a lot of actors and actresses even when they don't have last names like duty they change their name right so maybe you miss opportunity there but i i uh it's it's crazy to be how uh you know it's 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 just crazy how it works out you know like when you have a character who can be a love interest while also having i don't know like motivations and you know ways to further the plot outside of just screaming you know who would have fucking thought that writing your female lead can you know turn out to be a better movie i don't, I don't know yeah just i, I plan to go into a full character breakdown on elsa and why we should just say fuck willie scott man yeah a fucking men brother which by the way she's aptly named because she looks a lot like disney's elsa if she was real yeah 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 for sure <laughs> And that's kind of rounding out the 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 cast and crew. Uh, I don't even know. Do you, you want to begin with the opening? Let's, let's talk about the opening because, man, it, what? Okay, we talked a lot in Raiders about how that movie just hits the ground running and it doesn't even explain any of the characters. It just gives you everything you need to know about the characters as you go along or allows you to infer stuff about the characters. What a way to do an origin story. And it's only about what? 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> like it's. And I fucking love I fucking how they, love it. they don't let you know initially they they could have had yes, like they... the year pop up and date it uh-huh. but you don't know that it's the, the the origin yet like that must have been fucking like may i wish i could have been old enough to have seen this in the theater because if they were able to keep this this opening a secret and you know you know the internet Make didn't exist the back then <laughs> so the yeah trailer. i mean it's just probably all over the fucking trailer but if you because even at first you know they don't even really show uh you know river phoenix yet like it's river phoenix the way they do is it, part of the reveal well the way they do it is genius because you're just following these kids you know nothing about and you think they've stumbled upon indiana jones until mm-hmm. he turns around and it's fedora <laughs> Yeah, is apparently his character's name. Funny, funny. Uh, I think they call uh, the the guy who had hired him like a uh, Panama Hat Man or something like that. It's a lot, a lot yeah, of hat Panama names hat. in the in the yeah in, in the script. But which Panama Hat actually sounds like an actual gangster name, so I got to give him that one. Yeah, it's, he has a cool he has a cool uh, kind of gangster look to him. Uh, I I dig it, I dig it. Uh, but fucking Christ, this opening, dude. This is one of this is I I think Raiders might have like the most iconic opening to a film ever so you think of like just how iconic him you know throw me the idol i'll throw you the whip you know the the giant boulder him you know exchanging the statue out it's just so iconic but this is this is up there too this is so fucking But once again yeah we're seeing indiana's like his origin more or less we're seeing like his moment of destiny because if this had happened to any other kid there would have been no indiana jones right he happened to be in the right place at the right time, spying on the correct thing, and just happened uh, his father is who he is. So this is like his moment of destiny where he becomes Indiana Jones. But think about it. We're talking about a character origin story put in front of another movie, put in front of this movie, right? But uh-huh. think about all the shit that we still don't know. Like they still trimmed all the fat down and still just kept it nice and simple and succinct. And you're just getting... Just a little snippet of the character, just the moment of destiny that ends up 
creating Indiana Jones. You don't get any of They refer to his mother and everything else, but we don't talk about any of it. Yeah. Like, the, the self-control that these writers are exercising. Right. right. It's it's it keeps so him a good. myth. Right? So, yeah. And they have these really... I mean, obviously, you're invested in along for the ride, but the thing about him being perfectly okay with picking up the snake... Because once that happens, you're like, oh, God, something, something terrible is going to happen. And it does. And I'm still (laughs) my skin is still crawling to this very day. Oh, that's just all the snakes in your shirt. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay, dude. Fucking Christ. That's not okay. He's just like finding snakes like 10 minutes later. I want to take a shower just thinking about it, dude. But he is a little distracted. They are trying to fucking knife a boy. Dude, dude, give me the knife. Just fuck it and just end it. I can't I can't handle snakes like, being on or around my body, dude. Okay? I can't. Like, seriously. I can't. Um fucking uh 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 god damn it. Uh Ed Sheeran tried to knife in uh Indiana <laughs> Jones several times on top of the train. He's like the only person I can think of that drew a weapon against him. Yeah, he's trying to just fucking execute this kid yeah. you know it's kind of fucked up They're like what the fuck even the gangsters just like get him he's like he's not yelling kill him and then yeah. like ed sheeran on top of this train has a knife just goes just goes psycho yeah i i love how he's uh about to have this little badass moment of you know going to jump on the horse and the horse moves out of the way like at the last yeah. second you know just showing that he has the right idea but also, he's just not there yet reminding you that no this is still an indiana jones movie <laughs> Yeah, right. and also reminding you, you know, just how so often uh, his his thing that makes him him is his improvisational skills, and you see like that yes. like in play here throughout the opening too, and that's kind of developing like yeah, the thing with the whip, yep, the fucking dude, the idea of him using the whip for the very first time is the thing that caused Harrison Ford's IRL scar, right? Whoever thought that up did not get paid enough for working on this film. I don't know who did that. But bless you, because that's just so cool. Yeah, that is absolutely genius. Um, can we talk about Fedora? Because th- this little intro made me want a Fedora movie, dude. Like You lost today, kid, but that doesn't mean you have to like it. What a lie. That sums up Indiana Jones in a nutshell. It's that so one line. good. It's so good. Uh, and it also it, it, it made me immediately think to um, hit what would end up becoming his kind of adversarial relationship with Belloc. Yeah. You know, they were co- he was constantly losing today and not liking it. And it would keep him driving forward or no matter how many times he lost to Belloc, you know, he, he kept on going. Right. And then uh, when he escapes on the train, that's that lingering shot of fedora as the smile starts coming across his face because he's seeing himself in that kid that's running away from him with the cross of coronado i fucking adore i I I inferred all of that from a moment of a camera lingering on a dude with no lines because of the way this thing is shot and the way the actors are portraying it this is an art form that is fucking lost today dude it's so good it restraint unbelievably good restraint i also i love the transition to where they transition out of the the opening where you know he puts the hat down yes uh and, and then the, uh, he immediately cuts to them to on the, the freighter the oh i'm sorry why now why you have to go on road i, I i'm canceling screenplay rewind <laughs> this is screenplay we're gonna talk about I... it next week come on fine fine because i assume you remember that's a callback to this moment 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I love that Panama oh. Hat is still wearing the exact same fucking suit from like 30 years I don't ago. Think ever... Yeah, I, I, th- I think the water going uh, over the sides of the boat is probably the first time that suit's been washed in <laughs> the f- 20 years or whatever it's been. Well, once again, you know, like we talked about in the last two uh, episodes, we're hearkening back to the old serials, right? Which a lot of times were in black and white. The characters' clothes a lot of times are the way you identify characters or archetypes and indiana jones is basically a live action cartoon right like everybody yeah essentially is always wearing the same costume all the time indy has two outfits his bruce wayne and his batman right he's got that mm-hmm. one just the one suit in his closet apparently and the rest of his closet is fedoras and leather jackets and whips right I made him sound a lot kinkier than I meant to. Um, and panama <laughs> hat apparently has a closet full of these white suits with these red roses. Yep. Yep. But yeah. Um, and all, all he wears to bed is the cross of Coronado. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that uh, as the the ship's sinking, the Coronado. They, it's the Coronado. Like that's such a cool touch. So like. In a way, the the that the thing that is being signaled here about Panama Hat is the dude's a fucking fan of like Coronado. Like he's not trying to get rich off of this cross. He wants it for himself for his own collection. Like the dude has a ship named the Coronado. He's but Ron. He's stolen his cross back twice from Indiana. But Ron, it, it it belongs in a museum, bro. I cannot believe how famous that line is. And I didn't even remember until we started doing this series that this is the one and only time it's ever said. I would have bet my life that it happened in Raiders. I could not believe that I'd forgotten that. Too. I knew it. It's I cr- knew it happened in Last crazy. Crusade, but I would have bet money it happened in Raiders first. Yeah, one thousand percent. Yeah. Because that's like the first thing I always fucking say. Like, yeah. you know, and it's the thing everybody is, it belongs to the museum. To. Yeah, it's it's a great line, and yeah, it's it's again. So, the thing I've never understood though is what does Panama Hat mean by "so do you" when he's clearly much older than Indiana Jones. Uh, I think he's. I think they're just trying to insinuate, and I think they actually a little bit with the makeup too. Like they're they're trying to to kind of continue that idea. Uh, if you remember in in Raiders. Uh, where Marion talks about how he's looking older and he says it's not the years, it's the mileage. Uh... Uh, they go out of their way, I think, in this movie too, with just like the way that they represent um, even little things. Uh, if you remember in Temple of Doom, they could not wait to get Harrison Ford's shirt off right. to show how like ripped he was. They never do that here. Nope. Even in like the... the even in love. even in like the lead up to the love the love scene, he's in a fucking bathrobe. Yeah. You know, it's it's a very subdued take on him, and I think they're showing that he's you know reaching what you know like what you he's would. Haggard, I mean, obviously, he's we raggedy. Yeah, he's all, he's it's all, it's a much. Yeah, he's all used up he's, basically. Yeah, and he's uh you know he's he's winding down towards what you would think would be you know obviously we know like Crystal Skull in this fifth movie year. So you at know. this point, he's probably older than Panama Hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um figuratively speaking uh elsa even has a comment about that because she says he's got his father's eyes and says his mother's ears and she said that's the only thing to comment on or something she has what was 
because uh, so, he said she says that, and she says, you know, it seems like the best things have already, already been, been claimed for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So she even has a a dig about it. Yeah, I mean, he's still he's still Harrison Ford. You know, what's really funny is I I went back and did the math. Sean Connery is only twelve years older than Harrison Ford in this movie. I thought, which is kind of crazy, to, kind of crazy to think about. I had always heard that Harrison Ford was older than Sean Connery. No, Harrison Harrison Ford is not older than Sean Connery, but the difference okay. doesn't make up enough for yeah, him to years. be. It one more year, and he could theoretically be his dad. This this is like a turn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sean Connery's a fucking player, man. But uh, you know, I'm just just saying it's a little bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit kinky uh, for my taste. Uh, but closet full of whips, Jeff. That's fair. That's that's also fair. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't even know where to transition to now because like this is a movie I, I could literally just sit down and do a commentary on. Like you know, just, there's just so much going on. There's it's so jam packed with one liners with. Uh, you know, like with the way that the characters are yeah. selected to be brought back, you know, you get a lot of good shit with uh, with Saul later. Well, uh, let, let's start talking about the characters then, because Elsa, I have a lot to say about Elsa after Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Let's, so let's, let's talk Elsa. I, I think Elsa is a very underrated character in this franchise. I, I think I she's think actually she really too. I think she's an underrated I actress, too, by the way. Yeah, I thought she was good in this, and I I can't think of a single other thing I'd ever really seen her in. Uh, sadly. Apparently, she's, she's in really... A View to a Kill, which I've never seen. I might have seen it, but if I did, I which I think came out before. Do this. not. So that might be why she landed this role. Yeah, be, yeah, um, it makes sense. But okay, so what do we know about Elsa from the minute that we meet her? Right, obviously she's hot. Right, she's like the picture of the Aryan race, which that comes into play later. Um, You're right. She uh, and in Indiana, she's so hot. Indy is even like going away. full because, t- like, usually Indy, he's speechless the moment he realizes that the doctor they're looking for is a woman. Yeah, he he's her. he's he's immediately trying to fucking yep. you know fills the rose and everything. He's yeah, he's immediately trying to score the idol and yeah. <laughs> he, uh, me the he's try he's trying everything he can to get in this girl's pants. And that's not usually like him because you know Which usually he's more subdued about he's it. He's really not that much of a charmer, right? Like that's not his no. MO. <laughs> he's no. trying I'm so the, hard and failing. He and he even, you know, Steals a fucking flower as they're yeah. walking. He's known her. He's known her for like five minutes, and he stole a flower. I mean, he's trying his damnedest to get in her pants, which is you know just showing how much of a a goddess you know she is. Right. You know? But yeah, so she's hot. She's a doctor, presumably of archaeology, given all the in knowledge and information she has. She displays that knowledge mm-hmm. openly whenever they find things in the catacombs. And the instant they discovered the catacombs, the first thing she says is lower me down and she's the first one in. All of this makes so much more sense than fucking Willie Scott in Temple of Doom, which he shares no interest in and is not even the type of woman that this type of character would be interested in. It's so But yet we're supposed to believe that there's chemistry between them and... Like, the real and all that. The real reaction Indiana Jones would have had to Willie Scott was leaving her fucking behind at the club. He didn't need her. Why it's would she have stupid. ever made it out of the club? Right? And then 
Look it's at look at done. Elsa. This is how you fucking do this. And she has character motivations and that, she that play own, into the plot later. Not only does she have the motivations, thi- she has her own fucking agenda. Uh, she uh, is willing to do things that a villain would do, but she's not inherently evil. She's just really fucking engaged just by archaeology. Side of the chessboard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever she, that means. She is. She has aligned herself with the Nazis. Not because she, you know, at one point she even says, you know, she's there for the Grail, not for the swastika. She has, she wants They're, nothing to do. They've got the power and the resources to find it. Yeah, so she has aligned that's, herself that's her, with them, and she's just they're likely obsessed. to find it because this is kind of in the age where what Hitler wants, Hitler gets. And Hitler was all about the occult, and of course, the the thing he would want more than anything is the thing that the can Holy make him Grail immortal. Of all the occult items, is literally the Holy Grail. The, the, yeah, it, it is. It is even more important to Hitler than the the Ark of the Covenant because Hitler would want to be immortal more than literally anything. Yep. And yeah, it, it's the the way that she 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 plays heavily into them being able to walk away alive in the third act because she turns on the uh the 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 Nazi dude as soon as she fucking can yeah. Uh, or not the Nazi dude, but uh, was it Donovan? Yeah, Donovan. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, literally she, she, first chance she gets. And yeah, I was she, gonna she bring. Plays him. I was gonna bring that up too uh, when we talk about when we talk about that near the end because the only two people on this planet that probably and I'm I'm saying probably because Indiana, but the only two people on the planet that probably know more about the Grail than her is gonna be Indiana and Henry, and. Of course, he's going to trust her when she says, try this cup, you know, because he he doesn't really know where to start. This is her obsession, much like Henry's. So yeah. he's going to trust her word. She's been playing on his side this whole time. And dude, that smile she has when she gives it to him. And as soon as he turns around and that smile just fades away instantly. And you're just like, oh, yeah. shit. And then... As he's dipping it in the water, that look she gives Indiana, and he's looking at her like, what did you just do? (laughs) And it makes sense, too, because uh, Donovan is so close to the finish line. Like, he's in the room with it, and he's just kind of willing to buy it because it's almost like a a manifest destiny thing for him. He even has the line, the, the cup of the king of kings or whatever, and like I was telling Christina, we we're finishing it. Like where he's looking at this the wrong way is that is more or less a nickname. He's not a monarch. Like he's a fucking carpenter. He's not gonna have money. He's gonna be super poor. He's got nothing. Why would he have mm-hmm. a fucking golden cup? And when you take King of Kings literally as the third most foremost person on the Holy Grail, <laughs> hands you a cup, you're gonna drink it. Yeah, and yeah. he just thinks that he's he's also outsmarted them so many times. He thinks he's smarter than everyone else. He just so far he has been. Yeah, because he 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 would fucking if he hadn't immediately gone for what he thought was the Grail, he would have won. Like it's it's a running thing of how Harrison Ford's character in almost all these fucking movies loses and has to get bailed out by these supernatural elements towards the end and other characters you know 
and not being uh, not being able to stop themselves from crossing the line of you know like uh too far uh too like too far into their own hubris yeah you know, it's a running it's a running theme of all the movies and uh, essentially i was i was going to transition into uh to donovan but also the last thing on elsa is the first thing she says after donovan's dead is it won't be made of gold <laughs> yeah God, so, this movie's this movie's yeah so good so i mean she didn't just randomly choose the one thing she knew for sure is it's not gonna be made out of gold and she hands him the brightest shiniest goldiest yeah. cup that she yeah. could possibly hand him yeah it's the most but, uh audacious one on you know there's like 200 uh cups in there yeah and that that mother that motherfucking grail glows in the dark <laughs> it's so gold <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, but Donovan, dude, I he's one of my favorite type of villains, right? I love a villain who. My favorite type of villain is basically one that is kind of thinking that they are the good guy, right? Like Magneto, right? Like. He's trying what he's trying to do is not wrong. He's going about it the wrong way. And then Donovan is like probably my second or third favorite type of villain where he's literally on a crusade, Jeff. Like he's doing anything and everything he can to get this thing. He's got this like self-righteousness about him. He doesn't really care about wrong or right. He just knows that he wants a thing. He's got a means to get it. And he's not evil necessarily maybe a sociopath but he's not necessarily evil like he's got uh he's got a uh i'm i'm losing the word the the word coming to mind is not the right one not in a not an agenda but he's got like a uh not a code but um the, a thing that he's like he's got like an aspiration and he doesn't really care how he gets to it it's not the word I'm looking for either. It's the closest thing I can think of. Agenda? Was that it's, the... it's not agenda. He's got like a like a it's almost like a like it's like morally right for him to have the grail. Like the the attitude that he has. Entitlement? Yeah, he's Is that got, what you're... yeah, he's got this sense of entitlement about him where you know anything and everything to get the grail. And that's really just kind of his shtick. Like he's not setting out to murder people he's not setting out for worldwide domination or destruction he's setting out for a prize right it's a it's a thing that he wants and he's got the means to get it and you're just in his way that's an, that's unfortunate right <laughs> like that's yeah you know that that's yeah, the thing it's, it, uh, and his his in uh, his in game also ties in a lot with like the way like Belloc was, which I was, always I was works. gonna say he's yeah he's kind of like a he's like a more sociopathic Belloc <laughs> like he's... yeah because like both Belloc and Donovan you know if they were evil they would be alongside the Nazis and trying to put these you know holy objects in the place of power where they can you know cause mass harm they don't really want that and Belloc they, was a piece want... of shit but he was empathetic also whereas fucking donovan has like zero emotion it's just if you're in his way you're a stumbling block yeah he just he just wants he's to live got, forever he's, got, That's his he's only... got the same drive that henry has but for different reasons yeah and the way that that ties in with uh with henry's 
uh, kind of like final turnaround at the end is so is so great. You know what just let's, let's occurred about, to me? Let's... You know what just occurred to me? In Raiders, what? we had the juxtaposition between Belloc and Indiana. In Crusade, we had the juxtaposition between Henry and Donovan. Yeah, that's true. If you really think about it, they gave Henry his own Belloc, but it's Indiana fighting him. Yeah. It's interesting. I'd never thought about that really until just now. And because it, it's all subtext, yeah. it's not beating you over the fucking skull. Hashtag with its themes. Uh, <laughs> well, like, like Temple, Temple of Doom had no self control, and you end up with, yep. you know, it's just bad, bad writing. Let's, we have to talk about my favorite aspect of this movie is Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Oh I think they're. God. So fucking like every thing they say to one another is just gold. Every delivery and every joke is is perfect. When they need to have like real pathos, John Connery's facial expressions alone, and and Harrison Ford's like you have you feel every ounce. There's this of pathos. mythical mythical hero that is Indiana Jones in your mind, and anytime he's talking to his father, he's like a 12-year-old that's like looking at the ground or sir. kicking a rock or whatever. Can't help but call him sir. Can't help but he's, call him sir. He, he's just constantly trying to like kind of prove himself, and he has proven himself. He like in, Indiana Jones. Is, he, he's a complete he's a complete badass, and like he's so proud of himself as he's doing all these amazing feats in front of his dad, and I, I like when they're when, when they're riding on the motorcycle together, and he's in the sidecar, and Sean Connery just couldn't be more bored by all of this amazing shit that Indy's doing right next to him. It's great. Oh my god, dude. Everything about from the moment we see them together is just a fucking joy. That first time we see them together and the three Nazis walk in, and Dr. Jones, and they both go, yes. From there, and- it's just unadulterated fun. Well, the the very first thing he does that I, that I absolutely love that sums up his <laughs> uh, relationship with him. About his head. Uh, yeah. Once he once he hits him with the vase, <laughs> and Sean Connery is immediately just saddened, not by the fact that he just almost killed his own son, but he thinks he's destroyed this priceless like five hundred year old vase or whatever. And he's like, "Oh, thank God, it's a it's fake." A fake. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I love how Indiana keeps waiting for his dad to get sentimental on him because there's then, there's that moment. There's the moment when he first rescues him, thinks that he's going to get something you know, from his dad, some sort of emotional response, and we talk about the vase. And then getting hit over the head, we don't get an emotional response from Henry there. Then when they're tied up back to back, there's something I need to tell you. Uh, don't get sentimental on me now, Dad. The floor is on fire. <laughs> like it's like his the first <laughs> I, assumption is because he's constantly waiting for it, and it doesn't happen until he thinks uh, he went over the cliff with the tank. I fucking love how they consistently keep fucking up, and it's not just one sided with Indiana. Yeah, Henry also is constantly fucking up, like with the fire, and he almost always hides it when he can. You know, like when he shoots the uh... dad. Are we hit? <laughs> More or less. <laughs> I'm sorry, son. They got us. <laughs> I fucking because it, it's so wonderful too. Because you see exactly where Indy gets it all. You know, but, he's and including he's such a including um. All 
of his like thinking on the fly, right? Because there's that moment with the birds. He's like, suddenly I remember I love my the... Charlemagne. Tactical seagulls, dude. Tactical seagulls is the best. Okay, it's hokey, but one of my favorite things in this movie is still the dude in the plane. His expression is he slides past them in the car. <laughs> That scene is so dumb, and I love it. I, I love it's it so, so over the top that it, it's amazing. Dude, he goes perfectly through the tunnel and leaves his wings on either side of the mountain like a cartoon. <laughs> and he Also, by the way, that's the most dedicated fucking Nazi in the history of Nazis. Does that man just give zero fucks? He's full sending it through that fucking car tunnel thing, dude. They're looking at each other, but the look he's giving them is like... It's like, this, this is so surreal for him. <laughs> and then he just fucking explodes. And because he's in a tunnel, he can't, like, bail out. Like, what can he do? Yeah, and he was five days from Nazi retirement. <laughs> it's a real shame. Oh, oh my God. God. So, the fucking, the, the fireplace oh thing. My God. First of all, it's incredibly ingenious of him to think to go into the fireplace in the first place. Right. You know, because obviously the smoke will escape and you don't, you know, die from the fucking smoke. And it's designed to, and you know, not combust. Exactly. Because that's something that is so basic and so common sense. I would never in a million years think about it myself. You know, it's just one of those things. Well, of fucking course, but he's, he's really good in, uh, and like one way that they're, they're, they're kind of different is that we haven't really talked about is that Indiana Jones probably almost intentionally to differentiate himself from his dad, you know, just by, you know, also, you know, like henceforth taking Indiana as his name in the first place and not being junior, you know, mm. but, um, being a guy who likes to actually be in the field because the first thing that makes him concerned about wanting to go on this adventure in the first place is obviously he's interested in potentially finding the Holy grail, but he's concerned about his dad being in the field. Because his right. dad is just book smart. He's not street smart like Indiana Jones is. Indiana Jones is both incredibly intelligent and a complete badass. And his dad, you know, ends up having moments. But at this point, he's never really put him in a uh, put himself in a position to be a badass because he's just always been a book smart guy. You know, not one to go on the adventure. We we have a line in the classroom where he says seventy percent of archaeology isn't done in a library, and then uh, we immediately. Uh, get to his office at the school in the boiler room and he sits <laughs> down and just and then it immediately cuts to him crawling out the window because he just can't fucking take being in his office even though he's surrounded by relics and artifacts and the other thing that I noticed mainly because I've never sat down and thought about it this is probably obvious to everyone listening but like his dad has this obsession with a single artifact that he's probably, in all likelihood, never going to find in his lifetime, right? It's been missing for 2,000 years. And Indiana has this obsession with basically being a smuggler. Like, he goes and gets his hands on any relic he can as fast as he can and gets it out. So he's like the exact opposite. His dad is philosophically basically obsessed with the Holy Grail more than anything because I'm sure even Henry knows he's probably not going to find it, but he's trying his damnedest. And whereas yeah. Indiana is going for whatever he can actually touch. He has to be able to touch whatever it is he's pursuing. And he's just a thrill junkie. And he's a thrill junkie, yeah. He loves it. 
uh i <laughs> when when they ask i i love to the the fucking scooby-doo booby traps in the nazi castle yes should be so dumb but it totally works because they're freaking nazis yep. you know the nazis were so i mean obviously they were fucking evil bastards but they were also just fucking cuckoo for cocoa puffs yep or i bet you a million dollars all of their strongholds had these scooby-doo fucking secret rooms and weird ass chair levers and i i it does like i can totally believe it uh and this movie just walks that tightrope in between being silly and too silly like perfectly all the time it's it's the tone of the movie right raiders does it too it's got some silliness but again it walks that line Temple of Doom is about human sacrifice and ripping out, beating people's hearts, and hold on to your potatoes, right? Like that's that's one issue with Temple of Doom. It's all over the place. Is yeah, that tonally it is everywhere. Whereas, last it is everywhere and nowhere. The, the characters are a little more cartoonish in this one, so the movie can now be allowed to be a little bit more cartoonish. And again. Just knowing where the line is so you can straddle the line and never never cross it. You know, never never jump Bruce the shark. Um But the I fucking my yeah. favorite thing is the fucking fireplace though in that castle because because that is a trope that I think is used <laughs> the absolute best it can possibly ever be used in this movie. <laughs> Our situation is not improved. <laughs> this is intolerable. <laughs> I love that. I love that uh, he says that like seven times yeah. throughout the movie, and I laugh every single time because it's such a, it's such a great fitting catchphrase for him. Oh my god! A- and dude, when when they keep twisting around, <laughs> and it eventually stops, and then the Nazi chick smiles back at them and just ah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then I love uh, I love Henry gets trapped on the side of the Nazis, and when it spins around, an unconscious Nazi drops, and it spins around again, and there's like nobody. Because like Andy uh, grabbed his dad. The physical, the, the physical comedy in this is just next level. Speaking of physical comedy, we revisit an Indiana Jones trope. On the blimp, mm-hmm. he gets a uniform that doesn't fit him. <laughs> and <there's laughs> no, no ticket. There's no one bigger <laughs> to beat up to get their uniform, so he's just in this comically like all the buttons are stretched and it, the sleeves are super short. One of the best fucking jokes in the entire movie to me is after he throws him out the window of the the Zeppelin and he says, no ticket. And everyone in the room scrambles to find and present their ticket to him. I love that. Like the whole room is just freaking the fuck out. But he does all of this to sneak up behind the guy and cold cock him, which he could have done dressed as Indiana Jones. (laughs) He he just fucking loves exchanging clothes, dude. (laughs) He's the exact opposite of Panama hat. Indiana <laughs> Jones can't fucking wait <laughs> to change his outfit. <laughs> Panama hat sleeps, showers, and fucks in that suit, dude. Oh, oh, oh. Panama hat. Short rounds second in short rounds revenge. It is also Panama hat's revenge. Panama hat did not die. And now he is back for revenge because he fucked up his one Panama hat suit. <laughs> Can we talk about another trope from like old uh, like adventure stories and novels and stuff that's used a lot? What's up? I think my favorite use of a character dressing up in a disguise 
is when he comes in to look at the tapestries and like the dude is having <laughs> none of it. The dude is just having none of it, and he just cold cocks him, which, again, he could have done from the very beginning. <laughs> Harrison Ford's, like... It's not bad, it's, by it's, the way. It's, it's, it's not that bad, but it's also uh, just so over the, over the top. top of a caricature that I, I fucking adore that scene, dude. It's so funny. <laughs> but, like, he's like, I don't know, I'll think of something. And then he looks up at her hat, and she, like, puts her hand on her hat, like, what? And it's literally her in his clothes, and then him with like draped in like a blanket or something, and have the uh, the hat on. And he like sneezes in the dude's face. Oh, I've gone and caught the sniffle. <laughs> it's so good. And the dude is just like, uh, like if you're from wherever, then I'm Mickey Mouse. And then he cold cocks him and just moves on. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you take a drink, every time Indiana Jones A <laughs> changes outfits for no reason, and then B just ends that scene by punching somebody or knocking them out in any way, you will die <laughs> by the second. Like, act. How many times have you ever seen anything from like the forties, fifties, sixties, them dressing up in a disguise and always pulling it off without a hitch or whatever, mm. and, or like. T- knocking someone out and taking their clothes and we just we keep revisiting all these tropes from this time period and they just never work but he keeps trying them also i think a big reason uh behind why this like the, the viewer is able to accept all of the silliness and it never feels out of place is cuz like he the the writer is smart enough to understand that what makes you invested in these characters in the first place is the fact that they're actually like fleshed out characters. They're, you know, they're like we talked about previously, especially with Raiders in how they're based on archetypes, but this is like expanding upon the old serial archetypes. These are all actual characters. And man, dude, like when this movie wants to be emotional, it can be very emotional. Like I love the scene after tactical seagulls happens <laughs> and they just <laughs> all they do to end the scene is just show Harrison's uh, reaction to it, and it's John Williams' beautiful score. Yeah. And her- between that music and just this lingering shot in Harrison Ford's face, it says a thousand words, and it just shows you how, in that moment, Harrison Ford is just like seeing how much he's like his dad, and it's like he had never really, never really like, thought he was, about his, it before. He'd never really considered in a, like for a nanosecond how alike he and his dad are. And that's all subtext and it's all just in music and in reaction. And that's great character work. There's a moment later that you don't even realize you're building up to because when you first, the first time you see it, it's played for comedy. The next time you see it, it's a big character moment for Henry. But I love when Indiana takes the MP40, mows down the three Nazis, and he's just like, what have you done? I can't believe what you did! And all that, and he's freaking out. And then later in the tank, when Henry blows the fuck yes. out of the car, and Marcus is yes. like, what did you just do? I can't believe what you just did! And he's like, it's war, Marcus! Like, yeah. And in, in in those moments, too, it's it goes both ways. Like, he's he's realizing that so much of this kind of like roguish character that his son has become, he is that too. He just always chose not to be. He always chose to remain in the library when his son was intentionally, I think, 
going the opposite direction just to continue to uh, to differentiate himself right. from his dad. But yeah, at the same time, we get Henry becoming more like Indiana. And then as we're going through the three or four different tests to get the grail at the end, he has to become more like his father. And now it's out of the, he can't punch his way through the saw blades and everything else or, you know, whip his way through them. He has to stop and think and think more like he's sitting in a library to try to figure this shit out because literally his life and the life of his father and his friends all depend on it. Also, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that someone getting shot in the stomach and not immediately dying is actually like a plot uh, point in this movie. That was my first many, thought when I saw it happen. How many times does someone just get shot in the fucking stomach and they're dead in like seven seconds and it pisses me off every time because like we were not fucking idiots. Everyone knows that's some bullshit. It takes a <laughs> while to die. If you've been shot in the stomach. And I love that that's actually part of the, the fucking like climax of the movie. In this fucking ridiculous fucking movie where the Nazi guy <laughs> full sends down that tunnel without giving a fuck. And all this uh, uh, Harrison Ford with the Scottish accent, like all these over the top scenes, you still have. Oh, I, I, I love it. It's, it's like a reality. Yeah, yeah. Modicum of Reality, I, I, also a good name for a podcast. Um, yeah, for real. Yeah, I know uh, the moment I saw him get shot and then spend the rest of the movie lying there, I was like, Jeff is so happy right now. You know, you know the the excellent frog where he has his his hands together and he's just, you know, he's got that smile on his face. That's me. I'm just like, yeah, somebody <laughs> gets me. Somebody Can I gets me. Convince you to watch Bleach. If I told you someone gets stabbed in the stomach with a sword for like two episodes and then survives it after they get healed well shit that's all you had to say i'll i'll, I'll watch four thousand episodes of anime if it has correct uh stomach physics you know i mean i'm that's kind of my thing there's a modicum of reality in bleach if if so does this mean if i can find one thing that has a bicycle not using the bicycle bell that you hate well you immediately <laughs> like that movie fucking hell dude i'm pretty <laughs> i'm pretty sure i hope you know I hope you know that now every time the bicycle bell happens, I am also annoyed. Had I ever realized that was a trope until you said it? Fuck no. So fuck you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they even do it in the mouth of madness. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that uh, all of your, because we had that stupid idea to do movie tropes we hate, all of your tropes are now stuff that I recognize immediately and vice versa. And it's kind of funny. I've never thought about poker in a movie before, you. Yeah, you're welcome. But I still hold, <laughs> I still hold that your argument is valid everywhere except one instance, sir. It's complete oh God. bullshit. Uh, what, was, what was that? Which one? What, what is it? The everybody going all in. And you ha you hate how everybody pushes everything they have into the center because that's not the way that works. It's exactly mm -hmm. the way it works in Jessica Jones and you're playing against the purple man. That's what he does to like three or four people. I mean... It's what he wanted. That's what they did. He doesn't care how the rules work. Rules don't apply to him. I mean... It's got David Tennant involved, so it's fine. And then he told the guy to chop down a wooden post with his head, and he just started slamming his head into the wooden post over and over. I wanted that. I wanted that show to be good so bad. It still <laughs> makes me sad to this day. Yeah. But yeah, stomach wounds and Texas Hold'em. 
All my favorite, all my favorite fucking movie tropes. There you go. Uh, yeah, how cool, sure. by the way, is the optical illusion bridge, dude? The, oh my god, that's one of my favorite things, and it's almost a joke now. But when I was a kid, that was mind blowing, and the fact that I'm watching this on a Blu-ray disc. And it's in front of you. It's there. If you look hard enough, you can see it. But it's still pretty much fucking hidden. Yeah, it's really well done. Like, it is absolutely there. And then they reveal it to you, and you see it. And then when the camera pans back, it is so hard to see, even with the clarity at, like, 1080p. It's ridiculous to try to see it. But you can. You can see the edges of it. Yeah. It's so well done. But as a kid that grew up going to a lot of uh, Christian schools where Latin was a required language, I fucking love the uh, Jehovah. Jehovah. But yeah. in the Latin alphabet, it starts with an I. J. And then it just punches right through. And the detail of that moment, because as he's dangling there and it shows that shot of his legs comically dangling above the ravine, you can see all of the support pillars for the correct answers. Mm hmm. In that shot in the foreground. So good. But yeah, just like, but Jehovah starts with an I. Jay. <laughs> He's so like confident. Uh, the the editing is also so cool when it's cutting back between oh, I know. uh Indy Indy working out the puzzles while Henry is also working out the puzzles, you know? Yeah. It's great. It's so good. It's the idea of being the Holy Grail Defender guy and being in that room for 700 years terrifies me, by the way. <laughs> Could you imagine? I get fucking bored when I have video games and, I don't know, the internet and every There's book I could ever want. of porn. Uh, yeah, I mean, could you imagine 700 years without Pornhub? Like, uh -huh. that is an existence that I just want no part of. Dude, uh, real quick, the thing that I made a mental note that I forgot and just remembered about uh, the illusory bridge is how helpless does Indy feel about the leap of faith concept? Just the one thing he doesn't have in his arsenal, right? He doesn't have faith in any of this. He doesn't really believe in any of this. He should, but his logical side of his brain just won't let him do it. And there's literally nothing there. There's nothing for him. It's a leap of faith. He has to believe. And literally his facial expression said, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then he stood there <laughs> for a minute. And he had to like, like sit there and think about it with like his hand on his chest for a minute before he was finally ready to be like, okay, I think I'm believing hard enough. But like the one thing that he doesn't have in his arsenal that's been hammered home in all of the movies is faith and it's literally the only option yeah i i love that that is that is his nemesis in this movie more than anything is that fucking bridge and trying to conjure up enough faith to take that step yeah and it's a cool parallel too with him deciding to close his own eyes and have marion close her eyes at the end of raiders right it's that it's that moment of truth where the scientist part of his brain, like you were saying, wants to 
refuse all of this supernatural mumbo jumbo but you know at the end of the day he can't deny some of the stuff that he's seen and some of the uh you know just crazy shit that he's experienced that he and and like it's so cool too that like we talked we mentioned like with you know like uh with him being shot in the stomach that having you do all of this on the time limit while your dad's dying right you know and just his ability to you know he, he i mean he instantly fucks up with the jehovah thing but you know he's he's doing the best he can in limited fucking time with all the pressure in the world you know trying to find the fucking holy grail and which has been lost for two thousand years just how he's able to do all the shit that he does under pressure is under pressure yeah you know, it's it's the best. I, I love I love this character so much. Oh my god! Uh, uh, when the shit hits the fan, when the Donovan and hits the I, fan. well, well, <laughs> the 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 effect on him <laughs> ventures into uh, Beetlejuice territory a little bit for me, uh-huh. where I I I don't one thousand percent love the effect on oh, him, I but I don't it. care. I mean, it's kind of fucking ridiculous, but the movie's ridiculous, so I, I buy it and it's imagine fine. Like that, it does, I don't imagine what that looked like in 1989. Like I was four. <laughs> like I, I just, uh, I, I personally, I, I like the face melting of Raiders better. I think those are better effects than this because this just reminds me. You know, like when their faces change in Beetlejuice. That's yeah. what I think of when I see the scene. So it doesn't 1,000 percent work for me, but I still, you know, love everything about the ending. Also, I love the idea that one cup gives you eternal youth. All of the others rapidly age you into dust. Yeah. You want, you want to know what's in all of the uh, other cups? It's a film cell for the Temple of Doom. That's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> That's... However many frames there are in that movie, that's how many cups are. Up that's on how many the altar. cups there are. Yeah, we we've solved the this riddle, the dude. Entire movie laid out in order. By the way, the uh, the uh, the real the real Holy Grail, the actual one. It's the frame where they're pouring the blood in his mouth. Did you know in Latin, Temple of Doom begins with an eye wrong? <laughs> Did you know that? Oh, just thought you should know that. Uh, this fucking this series has just turned into everyone take every opportunity they can to talk about how shitty Temple of Doom is because uh-huh. <laughs> we spent like half this episode we'll go like two or three points like man this movie's awesome you know what's not awesome Temple of Doom <laughs> well this may not uh, be technically because of chronology a sequel to Temple of Doom but it is a follow-up Right, because it came after Temple of Doom. I think it's. I think it's natural to compare. Yeah, but but also like, if it takes place in a year after Temple of Doom, it's a fucking sequel. Like, like they're they're not like Black Mirror episodes. You know, like they're not anthologies. It's the same shit, and they fucked up by making Temple of Doom a prequel. I stand by that point. (laughs) So I, uh, I, I think they honestly probably wanted. Okay, uh, this is just a side point that I noticed. So this movie is dated in 38. Yes. I think they probably, because of the uh, the idea we talked about, how, like, Indy being older, I bet they wanted to extend this further out from, like, Raiders and Temp- in, uh, in Temple of Doom. But I think they also just obviously wanted to keep the Nazi angle. So I think they were, const- like, um, constricted by World War II. Right. 
So I think if Raiders had happened uh, earlier, then this would have probably been taking place like 10 to 15 years after Raiders instead of two. So I, th- I think they just ended up kind of getting fucked over by their own year structure uh, accidentally in the long run, but it doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't fucking matter. Still amazing. I, I, I love that the Nazis are back. I've, uh, dude, when Hitler the signs the fucking journal. been uttered in history. Would you what? The only what time say? that that has ever been uttered in history. I love that the Nazis are back. <laughs> Those old kooks. Uh, I love them. Ba-bum, ba-bum, uh, dude. <laughs> When Hitler signs the journal, dude. Dude, I stop breathing every time, even though I know what's going to happen. Yeah, especially since scene, their dude. Hitler doppelganger, I'm pretty sure it was just Hitler himself. Because, <laughs> oh my God, dude. Every photo. That man looks every, positively genocidal, man. Every, he looks serious. Every photo, every film reel I have ever seen of Hitler in my life, that is him. In the flesh, and it's fucking eerie. Yeah. Eerie Indiana. Oh. Anyway. I love that scene so much that, you know, that journal... Because, you know, Henry's just thumbing through the journal later. Yep. What the fuck? And just... What the fuck is this? What the fuck, Junior? <laughs> Junior. Uh, I love the pathos of when he... To to snap Indy out of the... the, the uh, Indiana. The... When he just finally agrees to call him Indiana and he snaps him out of wanting to reach for the grill. Such a cool moment. And the way he says it. Yes. It just melts her heart, dude. Because you're just like, oh, he... Because there's, again, a thousand words said in one just based on delivery and the music and everything because... uh, And the performance. Because in that one word, he, you know, talks about all those things, you know, like, you know, when he... Uh, is looking over the cliff and he's like it only would have taken five minutes he's able to say to say everything he ever wanted to say in five seconds yeah just by the way that he says indiana i love it it's so good so can we talk about the fact that we have four chase sequences in this movie and they're all fucking amazing i, I think we have 14 <laughs> chase sequences in this movie and i'm 1000 percent okay with that how, but what, how, what would you classify many, as the how many boat sequences do you get in movies they even comment on it. He's like, oh, great, another boat. I love how <laughs> fucking self-aware this movie is, dude. So then we go from that to what was next? The motorcycles was next? Let's see. We started out with, I know we had boats. Oh, we had boats, planes. We also have the prequel, uh, the uh, the uh, the intro like with, with him as a kid. Okay, you consider that a so, there's yeah, train five. chase, so essentially. It's- um, yeah, we go from horse to train, right? Then uh, later, when we have adult Indy, we're going um, boats to airplanes to uh, uh, motorcycle Tanks. to horseback again. With uh, also camels. With a tank. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the kid that I, I, dude, I love the bit no with camels. That's five camels. Do you know what a cow? And he's like, it's a compensation for my brother-in-law's car. I belong to my brother-in-law. <laughs> I love Sala, dude. Well, we didn't talk about the Sala scene where Run. he's trying his damnedest to be like all improvisational and badass like Indy. He's just like, he tells Brody fucking 12 times to run and he doesn't get it because Brody's an idiot. So he punches the guy through the paper. Yeah. Sala does not look like someone you want to tangle with, dude. He knocked that guy yeah. flat on his ass with that chump shot. Yeah. 
Yeah, Gimli ain't fucking around, dude. <laughs> Gimli will light you up. Damn it, Treebeard. I had no idea. Uh, when he thinks he's gotten fucking Brody out and the the, the, the trailer. Nazis. The tropical Nazis. Yeah, the yeah, the tropical, yeah, the, uh... Nothing's worse than a tropical Nazi. They're just all yeah. in Speedos with rifles. It's the, it's the fucking <laughs> worst. Yeah. Yeah, God, no, yeah. dude. Movie. Everything about this movie this is the best. gold. It's the best. Solid gold is the cup of the king of kings. God damn. Right. Oh, my God. I, I just, I can't think of enough things to say about this. I don't really have a negative to it. I know you had the effects. Uh, I, 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 like, I have a few negatives on it, but none of them matter because <laughs> it's just, it do doesn't matter. Like, some of the CGI is a little shoddy at times. I, I don't like the effect on the reverse aging thing because it reminds me too much of Beetlejuice, uh -huh. but I, I, none of it matters because the core of the movie is the tone and the relationship between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, and they're, they're just so fucking wonderful together. I do have to say, I never noticed that on the blimp, Sean Connery's holding the newspaper upside down. This is, oh, is he? This I, is never, the first I time, never noticed that. This is the first time I ever noticed it. When he first picks it up as Indiana walks away, I was like, is that the headline at the bottom of the page? Because that's where all the big, bold <laughs> print is. And I was like, surely not. And then when it cuts to him with the staff, like push the cane pushing the top of the paper down, like it's clearly upside down. <laughs> so, you know, he probably thought they weren't going to use that take, and they did. That's hilarious. I know, no, I never noticed that. Oh my god, dude! Just every fucking joke in this movie. That's how we say goodbye in Austria. This is how we say goodbye in Germany. <laughs> I, I prefer the Austrian way. I did too. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, how'd you know she was a Nazi? She talks in her sleep. That that whole bit when I'm uh, as human the as on... the next man. I was the next man, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> the look. The look on uh, Sean Connery's face when Indy first puts two and two together. Dude, the look on his face when she's telling Indy that their time together was wonderful, and he's like, oh, yes, it was quite wonderful, before he realizes <laughs> she's talking to Indy. Dude, Every his... time we... Yes? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, when they're sitting on the blimp, he's like, all right, fine, I'm here now. You want to talk? Let's talk. And that look... He's giving Indiana was <laughs> he's waiting for him impatiently to say something. <laughs> I think every time we drop in PUBG now, I'm going to have to say, my boy, we are pilgrims in an unholy land. I, <laughs> I love that quote. I literally told Christina from now on in PUBG, I'm going to start using that car belonged to my brother-in-law. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, dude. Oh, I'm sorry. Not PUBG. Uh, PUBG Battleground. Sorry. Uh, let's, let's not let's not ruin this otherwise mostly positive episode so stupid it's not yeah. PUBG it's PUBG Battleground <laughs> <laughs> oh god damn it dude oh, dude. I, I'll, I'll, oh uh, another scene I have to talk about it's one of my favorite fucking cuts in the history of cinema He's got a two-day head start in you, which is more than he needs. <laughs> Bro, he's got friends in every town and village from here to the Sedan. He speaks a dozen languages, knows every local custom. He'll blend in, disappear, and never see him again. With any luck, he's got the grail already. Does anyone hear him speak uh, English? 
<laughs> I died. I forgot about that. I, I died laughing, dude. I forgot because I haven't seen this. I haven't seen this movie in like probably ten years, dude. When Sola finds him, he's literally pulling feathers off of his face and brushing them off of his clothes because of the chicken. Oh, thank no, th- no, no, thanks. I'm, I'm a vegetarian, but thank you, yeah. thank you. <laughs> God uh, damn it! Oh, dude, that's so it's good. It's fucking wonderful. Yeah, seriously, just, just <laughs> I'm just scrolling through. Just dude, like just if you just look at the size of the quote section oh, on IMDb for Last Crusade, it's like the whole like the whole fucking movie is able to be pieced uh, together just based off of the fucking quotes like, alone on IMDb, can, dude. It's all quotable. You can directly quote it, or you can just fucking indirectly quote it. You can you can quote it, but change the tone of it and still get something out of these quotes. Like they all fucking work. Yeah, it, 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 the the script is just a fucking it's so masterclass. It, it's it's just as like it's it's interesting. <laughs> it's just as good as the script as as Raiders. It's just it's accomplishing like an, an entirely different agenda. Yeah, it's got a different this, goal. Because like Raiders is just trying to be like a perfect film, and this is trying to be a perfect like adventure film. Uh, that's also lighthearted at the same time. Uh, it's it's a, it's a little bit of apples and oranges, but and but they each accomplish what they were setting out to do so so well. Dude, I I hope this is in there. I missed this one. I hope this quote is in there. Street vendor, water, Marcus Brody. No, thank you, sir. Fish make love in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that one too. Thirty three out of thirty three found this interesting. I fucking love the scene uh, where Sean Connery is just like you you. You think you think my shun would bring the diary here? He's like, <laughs> and then Harrison Ford, they they're showing us like his sheepish look on his face. He says, like, "Oh, you didn't. Oh God, you did, shun." Oh, well, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like a bad Kenny. I always turn up. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what that means, and I love it. I could geek out. Oh, uh, just reading the the quotes. I love when he IMDb. finds the painting of the Ark of the Covenant. And he's just like, ugh. And she's like, what's this? Ark of the Covenant. Are you sure? Pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fall back. Yeah. Oh, my God. I uh, I mean, we, we could talk quote by quote and just how awesome they are, but I think I've kind of uh, covered everything. I, I've taken just very brief notes uh, just as far as like um, little talking points, but nothing like uh, nothing specific that I think we've uh, we missed. Do you have anything else that you wanted to touch on? I don't I don't really think so. I think we've pretty much I think we've pretty much uh accomplished everything that I had. I can't think of anything. Uh one other thing, I alluded to it a few times in the episode, but I think this is my favorite use of uh John Williams score. Uh one of my favorite musical bits in the entire movie and probably the entire franchise is after Indy has survived the fall off the cliff when his hat tumbles back yes and it's the indiana jones theme but played like a piccolo yeah there's some type of flute and it's just very subtle as it as it uh like a just kind of floats in the frame love that little bit of music obviously when i think of indiana jones score i think of the big swelling but the version of that that i always think of is last crusade because there is something about that last 
lingering shot of the fucking knight as he just raises his hand up and that the music kind of calms down into uh they use it every time they talk about the holy grail it's a, it's a portion of the theme that plays and i don't i don't know there's something about that shot with that music as everything is falling apart this dude isn't even concerned other than the look on his face that says bitch i told you 5 minutes ago do not take it past the seal um but you know he's holding up his hand like basically is like a final goodbye like he's ready to rest he's not even not even like trying to save himself or anything as everything just falls apart around him and then you just have that that the beautiful score playing in over it as they just stare back at him i really don't think he'd be able to save himself either because isn't the idea that once the grail crosses the seal the magic would kind of fade because otherwise, if not, Indiana Jones would be immortal because Indiana Jones drinks from it before he gives it to Henry. I've to never it. been really clear on how it works because to yeah, me, they, they, once you have found the grail and you know where it is, I'm fine leaving it there. I'll just come back and revisit whenever I need to. Uh, it's it seems to me like the way I kind of take it and the way that they kind of would have to enforce it otherwise Indiana Jones is fucking immortal now because he drank from it it seems to me like you have to stay there and the grail can't cross the seal because wasn't that kind of like what they were talking about how because he has that line uh, he says he has the price of that's the price of immortality right yeah yeah so like the only thing that would make any sense to me is that once she crosses the seal it no longer would work yeah but i don't know they they i think they're intentionally kind of hazy on it otherwise you know they'd if have you to think about it too hard it could fall apart <laughs> yeah if you think about it too hard it could fall apart and also you had to be very careful because otherwise indiana jones is freaking immortal you know which kind of kind of weird but they probably they probably could have used one more line of dialogue i think to kind of like clear it up a tiny bit more but it, it's fine you know it doesn't really matter i think the quote that sums up you and me playing PUBG is are you crazy? Don't go between them. Go between them. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> that, the, uh, the, the, the boat, uh, chase in Venice is, is really cool. Yeah. The, and also just like kudos to, uh, the musical score as well, because there's so many action sequences and so many chase sequences mm-hmm. just, uh, where they really have to ramp up the music that it could get kind of old if it's just constantly blaring. So I think they kind of strike like a good balance of just mixing it up just enough and where it's not like a constant thing, you know? Like, you, you, you want it to pop when it happens, you know? I like that music that plays anytime anything to do with the Nazis is on screen. Like, this movie is the reason why anytime I see a movie with Nazis in it, I hear that in the back of my mind. Right. Yeah, it... Ugh. Everything about this movie, Jeff. I just want to go watch it again, like, right now. It's it's super fun. Uh, one of the best-paced movies, I think, ever. It's a blast. It always... Uh, it's just over two hours, and it feels like 20 minutes to me. Yeah, it's always uh, over in a blast. Oh! Uh, the jokes are so good. One one thing that I love about this movie also, you love the portrayal of a stomach wound. Well, I love they had a valid reason for not killing the Jones boys when they were tied up in the uh, the thing. They were missing pages from the diary, you got the two most leading foremost experts on the grail tied up. The third one fucking works for you. So if you don't find Marcus and find the pages, you need them alive. 
And then as soon as they got word as he's getting in the car to leave that they found Brody, the Fuhrer had given personal orders, uh, had personally given the order to kill them. And then he has the line, well, Germany just declared war on the Jones boys. But like normally it's like, I don't want to uh, to just shoot you. I'm going to strap you to a table and have a laser slowly cut you in half or something stupid, right? But mm-hmm. they they had to leave him alive because they were missing the fucking map and everything else from the diary. And the only person that could piece things back together is going to be Henry. And he's not going to do it if you kill his son. Yeah. It's, it's really good uh, plot hole coverage uh the same way that you end up having not a good reason but a logical reason behind them keeping marion and india alive in raiders is that belloc just wants to rub it in his face yeah, and that is beat pure him, you know? ego his that whole is stereotypical yeah. comic book villain right his whole his whole thing but it, and it's not a cliche uh just because it it is uh it is a common character motivation but he it wants also Indy influences to see that he is definitively lost. It, it influences like every interaction they have in the entire movie. It's not just an ego thing out of out of nowhere towards the end where he has ample opportunity. Like his whole thing is about there's nothing Indy can find that he cannot take away. Right. Like it's this whole thing. He loves fucking uh, over in Indy just left and right and t- screwing him over on all of these precious artifacts and stuff that he finds. And that's his whole thing is he just. He just loves being an asshole to him, you know? Yeah. So very, very, very good use of uh, filling in plot holes, which would otherwise, you know, be like, and it wouldn't ruin the movie, but it's nice to see them go out of their way to kind of build in little, uh, you know, reasonings that make sense. Right. It adds quality. It, it yeah. adds a little bit of polish. Yep. Um. So you want to talk quality, Ron, next week? <laughs> <laughs> Crystal Skull, baby. <laughs> I am fascinated to see what my reaction is going to be to too. this movie. Actually, I'm fascinated. But to see I'm going to be honest. I'm 98% sure I'm going to like it more than Temple of Doom. I can say that much. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I have not seen this since it was probably opening weekend in theaters. I think I probably might. Wait, I'm thinking now. Because my brother is even more obsessed with Indiana Jones than like you and me are. I could see a situation where I might have like watched it on DVD or something with him, uh, just because he watched them a bunch. Mm-hmm. But it's been at least when that movie came out, like two thousand eight or something like that. It's probably been at least ten years since I've seen it, if not, you know, just the fucking year that it came out. So it'll be interesting. I think next week's gonna be an interesting episode. How did I end up editing Doom and Crystal Skull? By the way, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see what you did, Jeff. I have chosen. Are, you are Belloc. Wisely. You are the Belloc of this podcast. There is nothing you can record which I cannot take away. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I, I can sit another two. I, I I can sit here another two hours on this movie, just going one by one down the quote section and just talking about all the lines that I love. Because man, it's fun, dude. Like just the, all the all the interactions between all the characters. All the characters have something to do. Like all the characters kind of have their like their moments to shine. It's really cool. Yeah, they're uh, you know even our, our boys, uh, you know Brody and Sala end up getting to help out a little bit. It's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, this is intolerable. 
I, I could see, uh, you, know, you know, we were always asking uh, for iTunes reviews. I could see Bobby giving us like a one star. And it's like, this is intolerable. <laughs> Speak, speaking of, should we acknowledge the one email we've received before we go out? Should we? The, the first email that we have received from a listener? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and uh, I'll leave you, tell I'll, everyone. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you the, uh, the honor. Why don't, why don't you describe it? Oh, oh okay, okay. Um, our buddy Bobby at Yahoo.com. <laughs> our buddy Bobby at Yahoo.com emailed in a little, uh, little email. Subject line, Temple of Doom. I'm like, oh, okay. Bobby emailed in to give his, you know, take on it so we can talk about it on the yeah. show or, you know, just whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe he, uh, you know, like wanted to, you know, tell us we were being a little bit too hard on it in case he liked it or, you know, maybe that maybe we weren't hard enough favorite. on it because it is, maybe it's his favorite and he has no taste. You know, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> what I, what wow. I pull up on my phone? What I pull up on Jeff my phone? Jeff has declared war on the Bobby boys. No, I have declared war on every single person out there that says Temple of Doom is their favorite Indiana Jones movie because those people cannot and should not be trusted, okay? The one and only time a person's opinion can be wrong. Yeah. You you, you know, uh, all all the Germans in in Last Crusade, you know what they're they're rounding up in in piles and burning? It is not books. It is VHS copies of the Temple of Doom. (laughs) Oh, oh god man. so our buddy bobby emailed in it's fried chicken day gif <laughs> and if you i'm sure you've seen that you know <laughs> don't yeah. even... just just google it's fried chicken day gif that's how does yeah, this apply know. to temple of doom i don't bobby i'm gonna need you to <laughs> in a second email and second gif explain <laughs> the fried chicken gif and then every week yeah. we're eventually gonna puzzle this together i, I want him to just to only use gifs. I want him to describe yeah, yeah, every, yeah, every his feelings new... on every movie that we talk about only in with a single gif every time. Hey, hey, Ron, did you know in Latin fried chicken begins with an eye? Did you know that? <laughs> I don't even know. What am I looking at? Is this chicken cooked or not? Like, it's... <laughs> like... I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, glad he, I'm glad he's taking care of himself. You know, he's got that... Is the uh, lotion there? Yeah, yeah, you know, he's, he's got those, uh, this fried chicken, it's more photogenic than I am, so I can give him that. Uh, he's, uh, he's pretty, he's pretty cool dude, he's pretty, he's too cool for school. Yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty chill. He knows Temple of Doom's shit. He's a good guy. He has, Is this, he has good did, taste. Did he get lowered into the volcano? Is this Willie after she got pulled out of the volcano? Is that yeah, I fucking is? wish. <laughs> if if Willie just, if, if Mel Brooks ever did a Temple of Doom, that is it. She would come back a giant fried chicken, like on the fucking rotisserie, dude. With, with the little white things on the feet. <laughs> yeah. God damn. Why don't we have a. If, if Temple of Doom had happened just so Mel Brooks could parody it, it would have been worth it. Fuck, I want that movie now. Oh my god. Man. I, 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 my brain is just rolling through all of the gags that he would do with that movie, and I, I need it. I need it. Uh, so I think that's gonna be. Uh, I think we had to pretty much cover everything. So screenplay like follow us email dot com. Yeah. So if you would like to also email us in uh, random gifts, 
They require follow-up GIF explanations. You can do so. ScreenplayRewind at gmail.com. No, but for real though, we would like some more emails. If you ever have any prompts that you'd like us to talk about, we would love to have a few minute segment, you know, where we just kind of answer responses to previous movies we've covered. Maybe if you have any ideas of what you'd like to see us cover in future episodes, anything at all, we'd love to have some interaction with people that listen. So always, uh, we know, we know you're out there. We see the stats. Someone's listening. Not a lot. Yeah, someone but out there. Someone's listening. Uh, so you can always, uh, if you don't want to email us, you can also tweet at us. It's at SPR filmcast because screenplay rewind is 16 characters. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget. God damn it, Twitter. Uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes or whichever service that you are listening to us on always helps. And Ron, where can people find you on the interwebs when you are not talking about fried chicken day gifts? I am Ron Sense TV on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. I am G Miller SPR. And I think I need to make this fried chicken my Twitter icon now. I think I might do that. Because it's a pretty it's a pretty fucking baller chicken, dude. Like I mean, look at that. That's a wholesome that's a wholesome chicken right we there. We need we need to form a PUBG team and this chicken needs to be our our logo, our icon. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I, by the way, we are you, usually getting roasted in PUBG. <laughs> did you notice I, I renamed the, the PUBG channel in the other Discord the Pubgeriatrics? I'm kinda happy that. with that name. I saw that. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> pub geriatrics with this chicken cup. yes we have chosen poorly <laughs> yeah this has been fun. man we're, it's crazy we're almost done with the indiana jones series dude that's crazy i know but we got one more on the horizon unless fucking harrison ford injured himself or fucking crashed a plane on the set i, I don't know there's no telling with that man <laughs> I don't know. No, didn't he? I know he crashed a plane at least twice, but wasn't the most recent one because he was high while flying? Also, Harrison Harrison Ford is a notorious stoner, so I think Harrison Ford is just always high. Uh, so, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just the weed, I throw you the whip. I'm, I'm just imagining like uh, like hanging out with Harrison Ford. That must be like, you know, what, did you see that? Uh. A video that was going around where I think it was like uh, David Blaine or some famous magician did the magic trick and he, and he was just like get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, most it was the most Harrison Ford thing ever. I'm gonna try to find that uh, and I'll put it on the, on Twitter if I can find it. But you need to you need to watch it. I, I love how the it's, internet lost their collective shit when he was on. I think it was Jimmy Kimmel and revealed that he doesn't know jack shit about Star Wars or understand anything. <laughs> right, and he's like like the most beloved character in Star Wars of all time. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. But it's also like the like But here's the thing. Harrison Ford Here's the secret about acting. He doesn't need to know it or understand it. You know? Blasphemy. <laughs> Blasphemy. They must know the ins and outs of all of Wikipedia to be Wikipedia. in the Star Wars movie. <laughs> oh my sweet Jesus. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for that, but that's literally the wiki for Star Wars, oh, by the I way, know. is Wikipedia. I know it is. I forgot. A A plus fucking pun work right there. I can respect a good Unintentional pun. punster. Yeah. Rex again. But yeah, we, we need, this this outro has been like five hours long. So eh. bye. <laughs>
<laughs> Put that on the table of Doom poster. <laughs> Ron Huddles in 2021. That's gonna be someone's iTunes rating of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> one and one and a half just for the fuck of it. And then eh. Toss me the idol, I'll toss you the mediocre podcast. <laughs> one and a half stars. <laughs>